The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. How many are glad to be here tonight? How many rather be in jail? Rather be in a nursing home? Okay, here we are. How many rather be in the hospital, anybody? It's great to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I'm thankful for Brother Kagan, Pastor Kagan, and the work that he's doing here. Uh, I'm older than him, but he helps keep me on the cutting edge. You know, things kind of change, and uh, some of us old guys... Uh, we don't stay on the cutting edge, but Brother Kagan, uh, he helps me stay on the cutting edge, and that's a good thing. I, I appreciate that, that brother. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Numbers 14, uh, Numbers chapter 14, and uh, while you're turning there, uh, I wonder if you heard about the woman that called on the Baptist minister and asked him if he'd peach, preach a funeral for her dog uh, who had just died, and uh, the Baptist minister says, no, I can't do that, he said. Why don't you try the Presbyterian minister? And so uh, the, minister, the person says, oh, okay. And she says, but can you give me some advice? How much should I pay him? Should I pay him $300 or $400? Hold on, said the preacher. I didn't know your dog was a Baptist. <laughs> there you go. Good jokes, always good for the, for the soul. Numbers chapter 14. And uh, I want to read one verse to begin with. And I trust the Lord will use this in our lives here tonight. I want to preach a message that I have entitled, Believing God No Matter What. And uh, some of the songs that uh, we sang or the kids sang here tonight were along that theme. And we've had a lot of challenges in our society, haven't we, recently, in the past year, year and a half with COVID, all these things that we've never faced before. And uh, sometimes it can rattle us a little bit. And uh, so I want to encourage us tonight to believe God no matter what. And uh, we're going to focus just for a minute on Numbers 14 Verse 11, then we'll have prayer and we'll dive right in. The Bible says in Numbers 14, 11, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Lord, we ask tonight that you would meet with us. We recognize that if any work is to be done, that you must do it. And so, Lord, I yield myself to you. I ask, Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. I ask, Lord, you would help me to say only what you would have. And, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and your people would be helped. And, Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text finds the children of Israel outside of the promised land. You remember, they were in the land of Egypt, and in Egypt they were in bondage, and God promised them that he would take them from the land of Egypt and to the promised land. They had seen God provide and protect them through the plagues in Egypt. They had seen God part the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. They had seen God provide for them in the wilderness when there was no water, God provided. When there was no food, God provided. God took care of them, God kept them safe. God kept their shoes from wearing out. God was a good God, and God always is a good God, and God always takes care of his people. And now we find his people on the outskirts of the promised land. God wants them to come into the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey, and they're on the outskirts, and God says this concerning his people, how long will it be ere they believe me? You know, if you're saved here tonight, when you got saved, you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Somebody came to you and they said, hey, heaven's perfect, and you're not. 
And in order for you to go to heaven, you got to do something with your sin. And they showed you from the Bible that Jesus died on Calvary's cross, and he bore in his body your sins and the sins of the whole world. And somebody shared that with you, and you recognized, hey, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sin. And you asked him, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And you placed your faith, your dependence in Jesus and Jesus alone. And now tonight, if someone asked, do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? You'd say, yes, because I placed my faith in Jesus. But do you know what? The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, as ye have received the Lord Jesus, so walk ye in him. The Christian life is supposed to be a walk by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse number 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I have four sheets of paper here uh, tonight that I want to use to illustrate something that I find helpful. And uh, all four of them have the words faith on them. And so we're going to put them right here on the platform, and hopefully... Uh, the wind doesn't blow them away. I can feel a nice breeze here, and that's wonderful. Sometimes in my church, I'm preaching, and I'm hot, and I like it. It feels really comfortable up here. There you go. You know that. All right. So the Christian life, then, is supposed to be a walk by faith, all right? So as we live our Christian life, what God wants us to do is God wants us to take steps of faith. So we go from faith, and we have a challenge that comes into our life, and what God wants us to do is take the next step of faith. And then something else comes, and God wants us to take the next step of faith. When we think about this matter of faith and walking by faith, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. That doesn't mean that you have a bucket of faith, and God puts more and more faith in it. Faith is not quantitative, it's durative, which means what? Which means God wants me to believe him today, and he wants me to believe him tomorrow, and he wants me to believe him the next day, and he wants me to believe him the next day after that. But don't we find, sometimes in our Christian lives, don't we find ourselves off of the ground of faith? Don't at times we're supposed to believe God, but don't at times we go from here sometimes to way over here and we find ourselves fearful. We find ourselves worried. We find ourselves wondering what's going to happen and how it's all going to work out and how I'm going to pay the bills. And sometimes anxiety sets in. Sometimes we find ourselves frustrated. Sometimes we find ourselves we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord and it's supposed to be our strength. And sometimes we find ourselves not too joyful. Where have we gone? We have gone off of the ground of faith where God wants us to be on the ground of faith. That's what we find in our text here tonight. We find God's people in unbelief. What does God want for them? The promised land. The thoughts that he thinks toward us are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give us an expected end. God's thoughts to you are to bless you. God loves us, and God wants to bless us, but we've got to trust him even when we don't understand how it's all going to work out. Now, I want to show you tonight some challenges. This is a very simple message, and when you hear the four challenges, you're going to go, oh, duh, wow, I could have thought about this, and you could have. You probably could. You probably, maybe Brother Kagan will let you come up here and preach next week or something like that. It's not a basic, I mean, it's a very basic message. But I find it helpful as I look at what knocked the children of Israel off of the ground of faith and kept them from the promised land. So I want you to see number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, write down unpleasant circumstances. Now we got to go back to Numbers 13 
and we got to look at what's happening here. In Numbers 13 and verse number 1, the Bible says, The Lord spake unto Moses, and basically he says this to Moses. Moses, we're on the outside of the promised land. There are 12 tribes. I want one representative from each tribe, and I'm going to send those 12 men, and they're going to spy out the land. This is directed by God. That's important for us to note because as we look at the challenges, we need to recognize that the Israelites are right in the center of God's will where God wants them to be. They send the spies in, and you know the song. You probably could sing it. Ten were bad and two were good. You know, 12 men went to spy on. All right. So the 10 spies come back, and I want you to look at verse number 28. They say this, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled, very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. What do we find? We find them focusing on unpleasant circumstances, people that they think are mightier and stronger than they. The Anakins were a formidable race. They were a giant warlike people who occupied the land of southern Israel near Hebron before the arrival of the Israelites. Uh, the they, 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 uh, word uh, Anakin most likely means long-necked or tall. The Hebrews thought them to be descendants of the Nephilim, a powerful race who dominated the pre-flood world when the 12 Israelite spies returned from the Promised Land. So what do we see? They see a giant warlike people, and they come back, and they're full of fear. Do you know one of the things that knocks us off the ground of faith? We know faith is the victory. We know that. But often we find ourselves not going from faith, but we find ourselves going to fear. Because unpleasant circumstances have come into our lives that we don't like or think that they are bigger than we are. Unpleasant circumstances are par part of God's will for all of us. The book of Job says, man that is born of woman is what? A few days and full of trouble. We often say, God, remove these unpleasant circumstances, and there's nothing wrong with asking God that. But sometimes God's will takes us right through unpleasant circumstances because God wants us to believe him. We know of Fanny Crosby who wrote many of the hymns that we sing in our churches and she was one of the best loved hymn writers of all time. She was asked by a Scottish minister or someone made this comment to her, it's too bad that God and his many wonderful gifts did not include to you the gift of sight. She was blind and and uh, she wrote these hymns as a blind lady. She said, if I had been given a choice at birth, I would have asked to be blind. They asked why. She said, the first face to ever gladden my sight will be when I get to heaven and behold the face of the one who died for me. Here's what she said. I verily believe that God intended that I should live my days in physical darkness, that I might be better prepared to sing his praise and lead others from spiritual darkness into eternal life. She got a hold of something as a blind lady and allowed God to use her to write hymns that still bless our lives. What did she do with the unpleasant circumstance that came her way? She went from one 
She walked with God. She took the steps of faith, and that's what God wants us to do. Number two, go back to our text, Numbers. Here, we're in Numbers 13. I want you to go uh, to Numbers 13, and I want you to look at verse 33. I want you to see the second thing they say here. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, what knocks us off the ground of faith, and we need to believe God in the face of unbiblical thinking. You see, what, what, where do we get this? Let's look at verse 33. The Bible says, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which were come of the giants, and we were in our sight as grasshoppers, so were we in their sight. You say, how tall are grasshoppers? Grasshoppers are about two inches, and uh, they have found some that could be possibly five inches. The average man is around five foot ten inches. Let's say five foot ten inches uh, to six foot. If we compare 70 inches, which would be your average man, to two inches, what they were saying then when you take the comparison is that these uh, men would be over 200 feet tall. That's pretty tall. I don't know how high your ceiling is up there, but it's not 200 feet. You see, what in the world happened? What happened is their imagination, their thinking ran away from them. And they recognize that they are so tall and so big that God himself isn't even able to deliver us. You know, we often, in the trials that we face, we often get thinking unbiblically. Could you take your Bibles for a minute and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4? Tremendous illustration to me in Mark chapter number 4 with some folks thinking in a little bit of an unbiblical way. The disciples are on a boat with Jesus. They were fishermen. I mean, these guys had been through it all. They had fished and the storms came. and I mean, they weren't afraid to be in a boat. But we find them here in Mark chapter number 4 we find them in a difficult situation. The Bible says in verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he, verse 38, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Watch this, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus arose, rebuked the wind, said, peace be still, and he deals with what? Their faith. Now, it's interesting to me that the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. And here's what the disciples say. Their circumstances around them are bad. They're thinking, we're going to die. This is really bad. The turbulence is bad. And they wake Jesus, and they don't just wake him and say, do something. They unbiblical, their thinking's off. Master... Don't you care about us? Carest thou not that we perish? Now think about this when we go through storms in our life. When we face challenges that are bigger than we are. Have you ever, in your mind or out loud, have you ever said, Lord, where are you? Lord, don't you care what I'm going through? Carest thou not that I suffer? Carest thou not 
that I hurt. God knows we're human. But God always cares. God's love is always there. Nothing separates us from the love of God. God loves you completely. Do you know there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any more than he does now? He cares. And yet sometimes unbiblical thinking gets in there. And when we think in an unbiblical way, we find ourselves off the ground of faith. And here the Israelites are comparing themselves to gra- these Xenikins to grasshoppers, thinking this is bigger than God. Nothing's bigger than the Lord. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's a whole lot of power. He's sovereign. He's in control. And we need to stay on the ground of faith. And we need to keep believing God. Number three. We're going in our text back to Numbers and go to uh, chapter 13. We'll look at the latter part of that and we'll move into chapter 14. Chapter 13, actually I read that. Go to chapter 14 and verse number 1. And I want you to see thirdly, the third challenge that knocks us off the ground of faith is unbelieving influences. The Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. All right. God sent how many in? He sent 12 men in. And uh, of the 12, two came back with a good report, believing God. But do you know the 10 affected the whole congregation? You're looking at a whole bunch of people. And the Bible says here that the whole congregation murmured, they, they wept, And the children of Israel, verse 2, murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt. What do we have? We have influences, unbelieving influences, that are influencing the masses. Do you know the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, evil communications corrupt good manners. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Do you know it is important for you to surround yourself with people that believe God? It is important that when you're going through trials, that when you're going through difficulties and hardships, that you surround yourself with people that can take you to the truth of the Word of God, and they can say, yes, I know it's hard, and I know it's difficult, but God loves you, and God's going to get you through it, and I'm going to pray for you. We're so quick to be negative and to join the negative bandwagon. We've got to believe God. We got to believe God, by the way, in the society in which you live. A lot of people uh, found themselves, when it came to this COVID and all this, just full of fear. A lot of God's people. A lot of God's people say, hey, we're doomed. Hey, do you know God is still on the throne? You say, oh, oh, the election and all this stuff. Hey, God's still on the throne. God is still in control. We've got to be careful what we listen to. We need to listen to that which will build faith in our lives. Look at the Gospel of John, chapter number 21. The Gospel of John, chapter 21. I find an interesting uh, phrase here in John 21 that I want to help us to see. 
as we look at the influences in our life. By the way, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Kings 11, verse 3, concerning Solomon, the Bible says he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and they turned away his heart from the Lord. In John chapter number 21, most of us are familiar probably with this particular chapter. Before we look at it, let's give you a little bit of the background. The disciples are with Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, I'm going to die, and I'm going to die on a cross, and they didn't like that, and Jesus basically says, you're all going to ditch me, all right? How's that for bottom shelf? You're all going to ditch me, and Peter says, not me. Peter says, look, Lord, these other people, they may ditch you, but I'm not going to, I'm here with you to the end, and Jesus says what? You know, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times, buddy, and we know the story. Peter denies him three times. The Bible says then after that, Peter went out and Peter wept bitterly. Peter was broken for denying the Lord. Now, I think John chapter 21 is a chapter where Peter's kind of down. You ever denied the Lord? You say, well, I'm not like Peter. No, I'm not like Peter. But, you know, the Lord says you to witness to somebody and, and you don't do it and and, you know, you feel like, why, well, I failed the Lord. I should have done, right? I think that's where Peter is here in John 21. I think Peter's thinking, man, I denied the Lord. I just don't know if, if this Christian life stuff, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to make this Christian life stuff work. And so Peter decides, well, let's look at the verse. Peter says in verse 3, I go a-fishing. So Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. Now, you know where Jesus met Peter. He was fishing for fish, right? He was a fisherman. And Jesus said, you're going to catch men, right? You're going to be a fisher of men. And Peter now in John 21 is going back to catch fish. I, I got to go back and catch fish. Maybe this ministry stuff isn't for me. By the way, a lot of people allow failure in their lives to keep them from serving God. Don't allow that. By the way, we have a tremendous restoration pa passage here. It's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't deal with Peter's peer pressure. He doesn't, what he deals with in Peter's life is his love. Peter, do you love me? You know, the challenge we have when it comes to serving God is we love ourselves more than we love him. And when love for self trumps my love for him, that's when I get out of the will of God, when I start doing things. But Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. Now look at the next few words. The Bible says this in the verse, they say unto him, and you see the list in verses 1 and 2, we also go with thee. Peter's decision to go back to fishing didn't just affect Peter. It affected these other disciples that were there with Peter. And Jesus comes very quickly, and he restores Peter, and he gives them all a challenge for what he wants to do with them. But it's interesting. The influences in our lives will either push us toward the Lord, or they'll pull us away from the Lord. The influences in our lives will either help us to take the steps and walk by faith, or they'll get us off of the ground of faith. Unbelieving influences. Number four, and we're finished. We're going back in our text to Numbers 
Going to Numbers 14, maybe you're there already, because you said, boy, turning all these pages makes me kind of tired. I try to stay in one passage. I know if you get to do 10 different passages, people get weary, right? Unless they're using their phone as a Bible, and then they start switching to texting. Yeah, don't, don't use your phone as a Bible. Uh, uh, just use your Bible as a Bible, all right? And that'll be a good thing. Numbers 14, and let's look at where they go now. Let me give you the, the fourth challenge. It is uncertain future. So we're looking at unpleasant circumstances, unbiblical thinking, unbelieving influences, but an uncertain future. In verse number two, the latter part, it says, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fail by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. They're so concerned about the situation They're so concerned with what's going to happen, we're going to die here. Let's go back to Egypt. Do you remember where they were in Egypt? If you look at Exodus chapter 1, we won't look there. They're in bondage. I mean, they're having to make bricks with less supplies. I mean, they're they're really hated. They're despised. And they're, they're not thinking right here. But the reason why they want to take things into their own hands is because they're finding that their future is a little bit insecure. Things are a little bit uncertain. And sometimes what we do is the exact same thing. We try to take things into our own hands when the future is uncertain to us. We sometimes can make rash decisions. You know, God knows the future. God knows all about the future. God is in control. He was in control here. What's sad is what had to happen here. If you look at verse 29 of Numbers 14, God says, Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. What does God say? They're on the, I mean, they're on the outskirts of the promised land. But because of their unbelief, because of their desire, hey, we're going to take things in our own hands and we're going to go back to Egypt. God's not doing a good job taking care of us. God says, okay, you're not going to have what I wanted you to have. You're going to wander in the wilderness and that's where you're going to be. You know, there's a lot of Christians that are wandering in the wilderness because they fail to believe God, to take God at his word, to obey God. What does God want? God wants them to experience the land that flowed with milk and honey. But it was their unbelief. Jesus couldn't do much in his hometown. Why? Because of their unbelief. You see, without faith, It's impossible to please God. God set it up that we might trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We want to figure it all out. We walk by faith, not by sight. We'll never have it figured out on this side of heaven, never. When we look at the scriptures and we compare Joshua and Caleb 
The Bible says in verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and it followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Joshua, Caleb, those that have believed me, you're going to enter in to the promised land, which is where God wanted them all along. You know, the older I get, the more I obviously experience life, the more I admire people in the past. Louise Stead was a lady in the past that one day went with her husband and daughter uh, to the beach for a picnic lunch. I don't know how far you are from a beach. But maybe there's a lake or something. And I like to use my imagination. And she probably laid out the blanket there, and the husband and the daughter and the wife sat there for a picnic lunch. They're there eating their lunch. It was a beach in Long Island, New York. While eating their lunch, they hear cries for help. They spot a drowning boy in the sea. Mr. Stead, Louise's husband, charged into the water. And as it often happens, the struggling boy pulled him under. Mrs. Stead and the daughter watched in horror as the boy and her husband drowned. Over the months, she struggled, of course, with the loss of the one dearest to her, her husband. But in her home here in Ohio, she found comfort when she decided to make the decision of faith. And she penned the song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." The last verse, I'm so glad I trust in Jesus. It was a faith decision that she made in one of the most difficult times in her life. And do you know what? We open our hymn books and we sing that song. And that song builds faith in us because there was a lady that allowed God to do a work in her life. Unpleasant circumstances come. Sometimes they cause unbiblical thinking. Sometimes we allow ourselves to believe influences that are negative. Hey, the future is uncertain. God's heart for his people. I was faithful. I brought them from Egypt to here. How long Will it be ere they believe me? God knows what you're going through here tonight. God knows what's on your prayer list. When you get in the car and you drive home, God knows what you will think about. When you wake up in the morning and you head to the office, God knows the burdens that you bear. He knows the loved ones. He knows the financial situations. He knows everything you're going through. You know what he wants you to do? Through it all. Believe him. Job said this, and I'll conclude. Though he slay me. Now remember, 
We see the whole book of Job. We read the whole book. He didn't. He was in the middle of it. But he said this, though he slay me, if it gets so bad that he take my life, I am going to trust him. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you that you're a God that can be trusted. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just allow us to be here on earth and to try to figure it all out, Lord, you walk with us and you talk with us. Lord, you want us to believe you. Thank you that the thoughts you have toward us are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Lord, I pray for the dear folks here, Grace Baptist Church. Lord, you know the needs, you know the burdens. Lord, I pray that we would trust you. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Lord, I ask that you glorify yourself as we give people an opportunity to talk to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.